says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet and Instant Reaction version in the wake of the loss of the Bulldogs. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020, and I don't think there's any nice way to go about doing this, so we'll rip the bandit off, cut the gangrenous limb off, however you want to phrase it. Um, but to do that whole process with me is my good mate, 60s, who was out there on the ground, unfortunately, to witness the, the loss in both games, in both grades across Cup and NRL against the Bulldogs. I mean, not a great day to spend a Monday public holiday, mate, but how are you holding up? Mate, I'm trying to compose myself with the sheer anger that's coursing through every pore of my body right now. It's it's rare that I feel this level of anger about my own team's performance, but I am feeling that today. I'm feeling it as a... A supporter, I'm sure there were many other supporters who, like me, shelled out ridiculous coin to go to a game like this. Yeah, so when you go it, to Accor or ANZ, as it used to be, it's not just about the ticket, it's about the parking and the travel. It's not cheap. Well, it was $60 a ticket, and then you'd park it on top of that. So you can you can work out how much a day at the footy costs going to Acor. It's. Uh, I was sitting down near the fence around halfway, so the the view wasn't great. Uh, it probably saves me from um, dishing out further criticism of certain players out on the field today. But I'm angry that I took my Easter Monday, uh, Easter Monday, <laughs> Queen's birthday the, Monday. The, Look, I can't even believe. think straight at the moment. <laughs> I mean, you, it's funny because the parallels to Easter Monday are right there. Another game that the Eels should have won, but it was even somehow, some way, as bad as we played against the West Tigers, it was worse today. And there, there was very similar symptoms, which we'll dive into, but you talk about that sideways football that drove you insane against the Tigers 60s. It was back. No one wanted to play hard and direct. No one wanted to roll up their sleeves and work their way into a game against the Bulldogs outfit that was clearly up for this game. They were fired up. They'd done their homework in terms of trying to pick us apart with some cheeky little plays of kicks and also uh, sort of sneaking up into the line on the wings to pick out, uh, pluck out some intercepts and whatnot. And, yeah, no one wanted to roll up their sleeves, work hard, and trust the systems that are in place to get us back into the contest. Instead of saying to Mitchell Moses, all right, you've got the kicking game that kept us in the game against the Penrith Panthers and the Canberra Raiders. No, we're going to play hero ball. You're going to see guys like Reed Marnie and even Bailey Simonson. Uh, and it wasn't just those two, but it was across the whole park, just doing dumb shit. Yeah, mate, uh, as I said to uh, my mate Trouser Eel at the game, for a start, the Bulldogs ran harder, tackled stronger, uh, had far more football intelligence out there than what the Eels displayed. And I, I, I did text you and just said there is zero football intelligence oh, on this play. I, I, I think I replied saying something on the lines of we're brain dead. Like everyone switched off the lights. No one played any sort of heads up or not even heads up, just basic level football intelligence. We, we had guys pushing passes. We had uh, Reed kick for himself to get a line dropout with you know the, the clock running out in the first half. 15 seconds. Right. 15 seconds on the clock, mate. I, you, 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 explain, you explain to me 
kicking the ball for the dogs to make it dead with 15 seconds left on the clock in in the first half. The, the thing I, is, you can't. You can't. They, these no. are inexcusable, like not even schoolboy errors from players that we know are better. It, it just it's amazing how. This, like how they it's not even the Bulldogs being disruptive because the Bulldogs did play spoilers don't get me wrong they did a good job of being disruptive but it's like it's not even the other team getting under their skin it's they, they get inside their own heads yeah and, so uh, look uh, there's plenty that we we possibly want to dive into in terms of an, the uh, analysis of what went wrong today but how about you just go through some of the, the stats now mate so uh, I can I, I need you to go through that while I can right. start to get well, my thoughts let, let's start with the ugliest of them all. Canterbury Bulldogs, 34, thumping the Parramatta Eels, 4, and only got those points care of a late Mitchell Moses try assist to Will Penasini. Moses himself, who I thought was one of our only players to show any grit and fire, was uh, taught a valuable lesson about finishing your try as well. After that, where he had a nice little solo try taken away because he got slack and uh, pulled up into second gear about five metres short of a line. But for the Dogs, Josh Adokar nabbed a triple on the back of an intercept and a couple of neat kicks from, uh, I believe it would have been Matt Burton for both of them. Uh, Jake Avrilo getting a double. He also got an intercept try against the run of play. That was a big one in the context of the game. And you saw Jacob Kira's knife down our left edge in the first half to round out their six tries. Matt Burton, who was, a, I think, a career 60% goal kicker, five from six on the day, which probably typifies how much the dogs were up for this game. Uh, in terms of the team stats, Eels had a slight possession advantage, 51 to 49%. Time possession, likewise, slightly favoring the Eels by about plus 30 seconds. So a wash across the two teams really there. Uh, dogs completed at 81%, the Parramatta's 73%, which honestly seems way too high for us uh, based on some of the stuff we're doing. Uh, somehow the Eels had more runs, run meters, and line breaks, tackle breaks, very close between the two teams, 22 for the Dogs, 21 for the Eels. So the, the attacking stats do not paint a picture of what this game was, which is crazy. Uh, looking at the offloads in Parramatta's favour, again, 16 to 14. Uh, dogs were better kicking, though, had far more metres off their 23 kicks compared to Parramatta's 19. Uh, Eels, terrible at diffusing the kicks, though, at 62%. Um, and somehow the Eels had the better tackling rate, nearly 89% to the Dogs, eighty, just under 87%. Uh, uh, sorry, both teams very similar there, but the Eels slightly ahead. So 88.92 for Eels, 88.86 for the Dogs. So the stats are not painting the picture of what happened on the field, which is just crazy. Um, yeah, well, look, I have my um, take on that without looking at any replay with just from the straight-out take of watching the game at literally ground level out there at Acor Stadium. And that basically is that Parramatta's errors were just basically... Parramatta played the type of game where literally a tackle break meant meant little, right? Because they were shifting the ball side. Yeah, side to side. Players are running in isolation with no backup and no structure. Yeah, yeah. And when the line breaks came, for example, for the um, uh, the one that ended up the 12-point turnaround with the intercept try, it, it was again a case of, in the spur of the moment, the wrong decision was made. You know, it, the bloke was not, um, approaching uh, it was Reg, wasn't it? That broke into the clear. He was not in a position to tackle Reg. But when Reg was throwing the pass, he wasn't going to be making the tackle. And I'm, I can't. I'm not going to be overly critical of Reg there because let's face it, it's it's one of those uh, plays where probably if he throws the dummy that 
and, and gets run down, maybe there's going to be just as much criticism because you don't know well, that, then that, whether the buck goes for the intercept or not. But it was, was fascinating. It was symptomatic. It was, was symptomatic. And like when when we saw things like uh, Mitch Moses stroll over the over the try line and get the the ball knocked out of his hands. That was also symptomatic of what was happening out there where, okay, there's a try, should have been scored. No, it's been bombed. You've got Sean Lane that's running, hits the outside shoulder when he's running through the line. There's the first try disallowed from just a a simple error like that. You've got uh, Clint Gutherson picks up the ball from late in the game and loses the ball attempting to put the ball over the line. Mm -hmm. There's just so many... Well, situations what was, where what was they motif? couldn't execute. They just couldn't. Like There was nothing about today where they could execute. And you talked about the hero plays earlier today. Some of those passes were literally telegraphed. Well, Gufferson's intercept by Josh Adokar. Yeah. I mean, when, when a player is lurking in the line like that, you've got to be cognizant of it. You've got to be awake. And you can still pass, but pass before him. Or run or kick. If the wing is in the line, that means there's no one in behind. That's how the dogs got us for their opening try. We played up and in defense, and Burton obviously had the tape on it, and he kicked for Adokar early. Uh, but what was our motif coming into this week when we are talking about the preview? Attention to detail. That, that, that was what yep. the emphasis for the second half of the season had to be for the Eels. And obviously they can, there's still plenty of time to get to it, but it's a terrible way to approach the start of it. This was a game where you talk about bad losses, and Manly pumped us last year up in Queensland uh, at the, in the heart of that really bad run that we had before we turned it around. This was every bit as bad as that loss because on the day, Manly were very good in that game. Here, the dogs were good, but we, we just spoon-fed them at times. And Oh, look, that they and I don't mean to be um, disrespectful towards the dogs, but they have been a garbage team this year. They've been an absolute garbage team. And as you said, we spoon-fed them opportunities. Their first try, look, just great execution. They... They yeah, took, that, that's good homework, uh, good execution. Compressed defence. Yeah. And that play to Addo Carr, they were able to get the same sort of result against the Panthers last week. So full credit to them for that sort of play and being able to execute that pl- sort of play so well. But the rest of the game, it comes back to an attitudinal problem that the Parramatta team has. And it's not just with bottom-of-the-table teams, although it seems to have manifested that way. It is just a – I'm just going to say it is a problem. It is a problem. And it's and whilst it may be looking at its worst against those bottom-of-the-table teams, until they can do something to fix up their attitude, can we can't take our hopes – of a premiership this year, seriously? No. Not with players that turn up and do that sort of and thing. And this, then, this, is a- I mean, this, you know, this is me as the as the glass half full supporter, and I'm looking at this, and I can't make. Uh, I sat through that garbage this afternoon. I can't make any form of excuse whatsoever for how those players perform today. Oh, no, I'm going to make. I'm uh, and without looking at the tape, just based on on the. Um, the eye test. I'm not going to. I'm not going to form any criticism about Wonga Blake. I thought he was. Um, he gave everything. He yeah, possibly Wonga, Wonga could. tried his tail off. Um, I thought, like I said, I thought Mitchell Moses at least showed some fire, even if he was also uh, part of the problem in terms of not finishing correctly. 
uh, in the forward pack, it starts getting real messy though. <laughs> like um, I, I thought that our two, I thought Reg was okay, but Junes was well below his best. Sean Lane statistically had a reasonable game, but it's hard to forgive him for being sl- um, sloppy running through the gap there that denies the opening try. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, Dylan Brown had his worst game of the season with a number of cold drops uh, that were really crucial in the first half where we had you know a chance to rest momentum back. Yeah, just not a... I mean, Will Penasini scored a try, but then he also dropped the ball cold off that touch finder in the first half. Uh, it just really, really bad game all around, I think, from the vast majority of the team. And, you know, you have a loss like this, and you sort of... You do attack the entire... Club. I say attack very... Not, not viciously or maliciously, but, you know, you, you do criticise everyone at the club in broad strokes. You know, and it goes from the coaching staff down too because preparation is a big part of it. But the players have shown that they know how to execute against the best teams in the competition. And yet they come to the West Tigers and the, the Bulldogs and they turn into a, a bumbling mess. So I don't know. Mitchell Moses said in his post-game interview, it's about the attitude in the playing group. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Is that a problem? They have to look at each other and, and figure it out. Does Brad Arthur need to crack the whip this week? The players need to be dropped. That's something we can talk about as well, because in the past, Brad has been fiercely loyal, but I think there's a, a couple of players or a player here or there that have been well below their best this year, and maybe there is a conversation to be had about that. Maybe that's the message that needs to be sent. Well, <clears throat> unfortunately, the uh, New South Wales Cup team had, I won't say equally disappointing performance, but they did Gave them a run have for a, 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 they had one of their worst games of the year today. So it was... I think it was fair to say that uh, there wasn't anyone out there that necessarily did their their chances any uh, any good. Um, it was yeah, it, it was probably their their most their sloppiest, worst executed game of the season. So, and, and that's probably harsh in what was a, a ten point loss to uh, the team that was also a top four team, uh, but. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't know that we saw any other options based on today, but there are. Kai Rodwell was all right, I thought. Players. But yeah, it's it wasn't a great selling point for a lot of players. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's uh, mind you, there's been players who have been performing well in the previous weeks, but it was just so ugly across both grades today. So, um, yeah. I, I I don't know, mate. I mean, I, I'm I'm looking at this, and I can maybe um, start looking at individual things that went wrong as we, as we've just been doing. But I still think it comes back to that overall attitudinal problem that's that's and, there in the playing group that that the players themselves are identifying. And here's what I've got to say: if if there's one thing that I hope BA does, it's to not give them a break in the future because they were they were given a five-day break. Well, you know, the best part of a week's break from training after their last game against Canberra. So they came back this week, having been given last week as, um, as time away, freshen up, all that sort of stuff. So they've looked at it as a freshen up opportunity. And, and it's a shame that you have to, you have to say this because it, it, it's it's something that you should be able to give your players as a reward for going eight and four in the first half of the season. And yet, but, if, they, if they're going to respond like that, then, like you said, maybe you do have to crack the whip. 
this is the problem, John, is that there is, there's a, I'm sure there is a history there of, of, of times when the playing group has been given a break and have let the coaching staff down in their performance after that. Now, see, they had it, it shouldn't have been an issue because they've, they've been given the week and then they've come back and then it's been training as normal this week. So it shouldn't be an issue. But if their heads aren't in the game this week, then you have to think, were any of them still in holiday mode? Were any of them in wind-down mode? Because this should have been literally treating this as like round one. Let's, let's, we always aim to start the competition well, to launch into the season with a first round win. This should have been regarded as round one for the second half of the year. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine how we would have been talking at the start of the year if in round one the Eels had lost to the Bulldogs by 34 to 4. Oh, there would be oh, questions. Yeah, there would be massive how questions. The pre, how the preseason had been uh, operated yep. and how the players were – like their commitment to the team in the season. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, it is hugely disappointing that, you know, like I said, you want to be able to reward your players and say, okay, you get the time off, go recharge, go have, you know, some fun away from football on the provision that you're going to come back fired up for the second half of the season. And yes. unfortunately, they haven't responded positively to that. So, like I said, maybe you do have to crack the whip. And yeah, and I, I was look. I I had no I had no issues about them being given time because I thought you know what this is the much needed freshen up. It's been such a tough first half of the season um, with whole, travel, yeah, a whole slew of away games, taking on some of the best teams in the competition, getting some other teams that are up and rising in like really tough games like Cronulla at their first home game back, get the Cowboys in Darwin. They were all tough games. So, okay, you, you lose those games here and there, it's fine. You had big, like, iconic wins against the Storm and the Panthers. Get your, get your five days off. But this is how they, they came back out of it. Yeah, and the, see, this is, this is the thing when you talk about attitude. This is not us, simply us saying that there is an attitudinal problem within the playing group. This is Mitch Moses straight after the game saying there's a problem in the playing group with the attitude, turning up like this, putting in a performance like this. Yeah, so, on, on, the, on the Fox Sports interview, exactly. Yeah, it's an attitude so towards his key words. What's what's going to be, the from a player's perspective, what's going to be their ownership of this? What what Where do they go from here? I mean, I look at a game like today, and, and maybe I can... Uh, there's two ways you can look at it. It's it's a game. It's a bad loss. You move on. Next week's another game. You got you know a week's a long time in rugby league. You can turn around. You know like all that sort of all you can find all those sort of cliches. But I look at a game like this and I think, man, there's what sort of damage happens from something like this? Like what what is going through their heads? After a performance like that, you could see them out on the field that just hang in their heads. The body language was, mm. I mean, the body language was atrocious yeah. out there. It, it does feel like the, these are the games where a Bo Scott or a real hard head would have been good to at least pull them in and, and try and rally the troops. And that, that's why I said with Mitchell Moses, I know he didn't have uh, a flawless game by any means, but it felt like he is the only one in these sort of contests that still cares about trying to win at the end. 
And I think the team needs more of it. There's just not enough fire. Yeah, and, and I mean, we're, we're reacting harshly in this instant. Re- that's what it's about. I mean, we're not, we're not taking 24 hours to consider our thoughts on this game. We're flying without a net in a podcast like this where we're just given our raw reactions as supporters. And I think in this circumstance, as I said, I'm, I'm out there at ACOR watching this garbage unfold in front of me and thinking, why am I here watching this today? Mm-hmm. Like w- what, where is, and I know like you don't want, um, look, there's, I think that players have to have that accountability for themselves, um, perhaps even more than they do for the fans, because if they make that accountability just for themselves, then, that should drive the performance. I, I don't. I don't necessarily want them to be accountable to um, to the fan group as such. But a, a day like today, I really felt that it crossed a line where I don't know. It, it just it it almost felt like there was a, a. I don't know if the disrespect for the jersey is a strong enough term, but it was just. Uh, it was awful to sit there and watch, and there is nothing worse, nothing worse than sitting in a bulldog's home ground from a result yeah, like that. Exactly. But what what really aggravates me out of this entire process, and this I include the West Tigers' loss and all those similar kind of losses that you have, is that this team has empirical evidence on tape against the best teams in the competition that there is a pattern or or a means of winning a game of attrition where you were behind against the best teams in the competition, against the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm in their home stadiums while you were under strength in the back line. We, we have the systems in place in order to dig our heels in, shoulder up, and grind our way back into a contest. And we do that so well against the best teams in the competition, but we throw it out of the window against the Tigers and the Bulldogs. And, like and I, I said, think that's, that, is a, that is a critical point that you're making – that and you hear that as a as said so often. Trust the systems, right? Trust the systems, and there was no systems in evidence today. None. Exactly. Instead like, of instead of tucking the ball under your arms, punch it through for forty to fifty minutes, whatever you can get because it's tough in the ruck. Okay, let Mitchell Moses smash it downfield, get your kick chase down, tackle them with inside the twenty, and start building off that. Eventually, they will they will blink, they will crumble. The the, the two best teams of competitions did it against us. The Storm and the Panthers both did it. Instead, we start playing hero ball and say, okay, we're not going to get to our fifth tackle and give Mitchell Moses a chance to just build us back into this game. We're going to throw an offload or a late pass to the line or force something reckless and off script that you know completely undoes any momentum that we've sort of worked our way back into. And it's funny because going back a few years, we were almost in the reverse situation where we were accused of being flat track bullies that couldn't get up for the big games against the big teams. And now we've almost reversed that role where we've shown that we can beat the best in adverse conditions in away games, you know, absolutely season capping sort of victories. But now we've got this approach to the teams that we should be beating where we're not just losing to them. We're letting them completely dictate terms and run all over us. Yeah. And this was where my concern is, is that I think that, that pattern that's there against the 
lower performing teams is symptomatic of that headspace not being wrong and not being right. And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about a headspace that's not prepared to trust the systems. Now, if they're going to come into a final series where there will be the teams that they are expected to beat maybe in a final series match and also teams that they are maybe not expected to go so well against, I mean, do they dip out against one of those, uh, you know, a team that they maybe are expected to beat in a final series? I mean, we've got a maybe this is a, a case of counting uh, the uh, eggs before their uh, chickens before they're hatched mm-hmm. because they haven't made it to the final series as yet. But you'd like to think that they will. But based on today, every other team in the Premiership would have beaten the Parramatta Reels today. Oh, that's just the way, the way we played. That yeah, fifteen other teams were not just beaten us, but beaten us with our pants down. It was that bad. Yeah. So the, a performance like today would have lost to the Tigers again. Mm-hmm. Performance like Titans. today would have probably even lost to the Warriors Titans, with the Warriors, Warriors playing as they are yep, now. Exactly. They would 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 have lost to the Titans based on that because, as you said, we were so far away from the systems today that. We'd looked like a, a team that had gone out there without any plan whatsoever, and it's something that we've seen before against the against the Tigers. Uh, it was something that we've that we've seen in uh, games, even that even even parts of games against better teams. We've seen evidence of that before, and then they get back on track. It's- so, for example, the the game that they lost to the Sharks. We were well offered in that first half against the Sharks. Yes. We were away from our systems in that game, but we we went back into the grind. Against the Titans in the first round, we were nowhere near our systems in that first half. Yeah, we scored some tries because the Titans' defence was so poor, but we were playing a game of touch football. There was nothing in our systems there. I maintain that we, we played our systems in the second half and ground out a win. And it might, no, it mightn't have been very pretty football, but it was going back to our systems, which actually delivered the win. Otherwise, we would have lost that game to the Titans right at the start of the year. So, so my concern is... Is, is there a leadership that, void on the field then? Is, is Do one of Gufferson, Barlow, Moses, or any of that senior playing group, they need to be more aggressive in dragging the entire playing group into line when it's, it's clear the ship is tilting and say, what the you know exploitative are you boys doing? Let's get back to hard-nosed football. Let's dominate the ruck. Let's get into field position and then earn the right to shift because it feels like we go into these games and if we don't barge over early, which we actually haven't scored the first try, I think, against any of these uh, sort of quote-unquote lesser teams or beatable teams, and then all of a sudden we're like, all right, let's panic and go sideways. Look, it's probably a fair question. And you have to ask yourself, however, how is it that there are those games against uh, that, that we've featured in with some of the best football that you'll see this year with the, the games against the, the Panthers, the Storm, even the Raiders game. I mean, we're talking about high-quality games. game of the year contenders, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you've got the players that are turned up with the, the right attitude, and it would have been easy to go off track, especially the – the, the way they were behind against the Raiders, where it looked like there just wasn't a way out of it. But they just... 
you know, the players had that accountability for themselves and their own performance. Yes, you'd, you'd love to have someone out there like, for example, a, a, a Cooper Cronk or a Cameron Smith who have that level of football intelligence that you want to see out there. Th- those sorts of players are few and far between. Um, it's you'd, you'd have to say it's, uh, it's why you've probably got the best team at the moment, have one of the better, two better heads there in uh, Nathan Cleary and Isaiah Yo. Yeah. I mean, that's why the Panthers are going two, so two well. They've got the two middle. of the smartest footballers, football intelligence out there. Now, <clears throat> as I said, such players are few and far between. It's probably what helps to determine the premiership winning teams and those that don't win premierships. Um so we have to make something of of who we've got out there on the field from that from that perspective, and maybe we're, <clears throat> I mean, maybe we're reading things too pessimistically after a day like today. But it's, it, you know, you can't, you just can't make excuses for a playing group based on today. No, there, there are no, there are no excuses for a playing group on a day like today. And you know what is doubly as aggravating about a, a loss as bad as this is, is that it absolutely covers up another awful, awful officiating performance. Ashley Klein not knowing the rules about challenging. The bunker overturning a Tevita Pangai Jr. Uh, uh, lost ball where he tried to play the ball on his knees. Like, the, the, there was a whole litany of terrible officiating mistakes there that in no way contributed to the Eels losing. But it just feels the, the state of the officiating has never been worse. And here the Eels are shitting the bed in spite of it, like just yeah. regardless yeah. of it. And it's so frustrating because I want to be able to go out there and say that they need to be held accountable. But the, the problem is that the Eels need to look internally before anything else happens. Oh, yeah. I can't even begin to – I won't even begin to think about anything from an officiating point of view today because uh, we we got – that run of penalties that we did today because the you know the bulldogs went for that niggling style and it comes at a price but we were just awful yeah. and and we we can't we can't look to externalize anything today we have to look at at what how, how do you move forward from a game like today i mean do you I, how long do you spend in the um in the video room with something like that, it's it. I, I think for me, and I flagged this earlier. It's less about the review because, again, I don't know what you can extract as an instructional uh, message out of this game, except do the opposite of everything else that you did in this game. Uh, yeah. I, I, I flagged it earlier. I think you have to drop players. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see who, if you agree, and if so, who do you think you you get uh, at least give a short stint in reserve grade? But I've got a few players on the chopping block this week. Yeah. Okay, run through who you've got on the chopping block. I, I mean, we've mentioned him across a few games now. I think Reed Marnie needs a short stint in reserve grade. Um, yep. His constant overcalling of Mitchell Moses in, in key spots is detrimental to the team. And I think just a chance to go to the reserve grade, clean his, uh, or just straighten out the mindset, the playing mindset, that is. Like, and not like saying he's been a, you know, a cancerous presence of the club or anything like that. Just, you know, and go back and, and play some good football there. Um, I mean, obviously, it hurts the team losing a good player, but I don't think Reed's playing good football. Yeah, I, I said uh, in the mid-season review that he hasn't got near his best football this year. Um, so it, I can't give anything that would argue against 
that I just think it's unlikely that it's going to happen. And, and outside of that, I think it's time to shake the bench up. I think that if you're not Ryan Madison, your spot in the bench is up for grabs. Yep. Yep. That's that's probably a fair call. But if so, the thing that's always critical with this is who have you got to bring in who's going to do a better job than than the ones in place? That, so who that would is a fair bring question. in? I'd, I'd be looking at Kai Rodwell. I think that. Yep. Um, uh, whether it's for Nathan Brown or even one of the other middles like Makatoa who don't get huge playing time anyway. Um, I think maybe he can bring a bit more energy. Um, I, I think you talk about impact. I think Ogden's probably the best fit for that there. Um, the question would be how, how much they think he can go in terms of not being match fit because he's only two games back from a, a long layoff. I don't know. Uh, I ju- it just feels like something has to give there. You And we, we've seen Brad, like I said earlier in the podcast, he has been fiercely loyal uh, as both a fault and as a positive. That There's a reason why uh, he's pl- he's gotten the most out of a lot of, uh, not, not fringe players or anything like that, but he's managed to get the most out of a lot of solid NRL players and turn them into plus players is because of his loyalty and, and the faith he shows in them. But I don't think you can have a loss like you have today. And also just some of those... It's not just about the singular loss. It's about the lingering issues when it comes to the mentality of these games. That you know the team gets up for the big games, but is consistently not not even just playing down to the level of their opponents. Now uh, they're playing worse than their opponents. So Ogden, Rodwell. After that, it gets a bit a bit skinny. Yeah, like they're, they're, there's players that I like in reserve grade, but I'm not sure if you can bring them, on, especially onto the bench. I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I would like to see at least a little bit of change next week. Well, here's the way I see it playing out. I believe there won't be any changes that will be made for the Roosters game. I believe he'll go in with the same team. But the, but if there are, if he's entertaining the thought of making changes with certain players, that he'll give those players the opportunity of the Roosters game. To make him change his mind the, the, about what the, he shouldn't the do. The problem is, or I say problem, it feels like the Roosters is a game that, regardless of the result against the Bulldogs, we would have at least put in a competitive out, uh, out, output against them, like we did in the game we lost against them, where we, yes, we played some bad football early on the game, but we came back really strongly once we got back into our structures. In fact, that was a big part of the post reaction pod. was talking about how we, we were loose at the start but got back into our structures and started carving up the Roosters. So I have no doubt that the team would have been up for this game regardless. My problem will be that uh, after, like looking ahead to our draw after that, I just bring it up quickly. Uh, so we go against the Sydney Roosters and then you've got uh, Rabbitohs, Tigers, Warriors, in a, three in a row. So three extremely winnable games in a row. Uh, are we going to have the same problems that have already surfaced against like we mentioned, the Tigers, the Dogs, uh, the Titans games, that even though we won them, it was evident there as well. So, And even the, the Manly game to an extent where Manly are probably a better team than uh, you'd think uh, minus Tommy, but still we, we didn't play our, our best football. We played down to the level. I don't know. It, I'm not. It's not the Roosters game I'm worried about. It's the games after that. Yeah, well, I'm... I'm just trying to predict what's likely to happen. As yeah, I said, yeah, I'm I understand predict- that you're, you're coming from the lens of uh, what we've seen as a way, like the weight of evidence would suggest, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I think, I think if you wanted to send a message about 
that attitude not being good enough, you make you make some changes now, not not down the track where you go. Oh, look, we'll give you another week to uh, change my and, mind. And what what is the problem this week too is that it is a short turnaround. We play on a Monday, back it into a Saturday game, so that's a five day turnaround. Once again, the yeah. the brilliance of NRL scheduling, where there is like two Monday games a year, and somehow well, the Eels are involved in both of them, and somehow, or depending obviously depending on Anzac game too. Sorry, but the Eels are involved in the majority of the rare Monday games, and the NRL doesn't have it in their scheduling powers to say, you know what, they're playing on a Monday, let's put their next game on a Sunday because that's logical. So it's yeah. a, I mean, and maybe I say that maybe a short turnaround is exactly what the team needs. They they can't overthink their approach to the Roosters game. They just are still training down to. Okay, let's get back to fundamentals. We're going to play strong, basic football, and maybe that'll be the remedy to get this game out of their minds. But at the same time, it is frustrating as a logistical sort of point of view. Where, like, how does this happen? But well, they're not going to hit. They're not going to hit the training paddock until Thursday, where they they get their couple of days of recovery, and then they're playing on the on the Saturday. So I would suggest they get one training run this week. That's it. And that ended up working really well. Was it the Penrith game? Yeah, was that the? I think we had one training game because of the short week there, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, just the the issues you see today, and I, I know people are going to be calling for Brad Arthur's head and and wanting coaching changes. And like I said, the, the accountability absolutely starts with the coaching staff. But the the thing is, is that we've seen the, the players have these systems in place that have been put there by the coaches, and we know they work against the best teams. And I just do not understand how in the players' mind they go away from what can work against the very... And when we talk about the best teams, the teams that are so far better than everyone else in the competition that they're winning it like 80 or 90% a clip every season. So yeah. I, I don't understand how the players can go out there and do that against those teams and then not go against the Tigers and the Dogs and say, well, if we can beat the best, why don't we just do the same thing and we'll maybe we won't score three or four tries in the first half, but we'll run them down big time in the second half because the, that style of gameplay just it wears down your opponent. Yeah. yeah. I, you know what? If we had the answers, we'd be on staff. Oh, if, we? We had, if we had the answers, you'd be <laughs> the highest paid administrators in the NRL because yes. if you could distill the, the, that sort of answer down out of the Parramatta Reels, imagine we could get out of any roster. So yeah. it's a, well, an exercise in frustration as a fan. I don't envy the coaches uh, for having to figure out the enigma that is the Parramatta Reels. I know that the uh, media were taking great delight uh, sort of playing up that aspect of the loss in the post-match immediately afterwards, talking about how, you know, how can one team beat the best teams in competition and then get absolutely thrashed by the Bulldogs? And it's a good question. It is a good question. How, how does that happen? And yeah. uh, it's until they can figure out... And th- th- that's the thing is that I'm not concerned about when we come into the big games anymore, but the, the, the question is we can get up for one game or two games in a row... You know, we saw recently with Canberra and Manly, but until you can win three or four in a row consistently against the good teams, you know that's going to dog you a bit in terms of the finals because that's what it takes to win the premiership. So I know. yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, look, I, I think I think following your logic, and I and I think it's a fair call. You've got systems in place. If you have players that aren't following those systems then changes have to be made. That, that, and that's why I was pushing for changes because I feel, you know, not not trying to single out players, but we talked about Reed Money's play before half time. I think that is very much symptomatic of not following the structures and not following the systems. 
Eels were loaded to the left edge. You've got Sean Lane and Wanga Blake and the return Mike Sevo out that side. You've got three great aerial targets to go to. And you end up kicking for yourself and forcing a line dropout with 15, 20 seconds on the clock. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's like it's like you said and like I said, if you had the answer to this, you'd be very handsomely paid and in um in the on the books of our several NRL clubs, I'd say, as the sort of coaching guru or coaching whisperer. Well, mate, I don't know if there's any if uh, people have managed to stay with us for the entirety of this pod, where we're literally uh, bleeding in front of everyone uh, in terms of the pain that we're expressing about that performance. Maybe it's resonating, and people have have, have stayed with us. But we do thank you if you've stayed with us for this podcast. It's never pleasant to do after a loss. Uh, we do move into our three podcasts a week format from here on. So midweek we'll hit our news podcast. Then uh, come the end of the week we'll hit our uh, preview podcast. Uh, probably the worst possible week now in terms of in terms of how the results panned out. But uh, we'll be there and uh, come. Saturday night, we'll be there with our instant reaction in Paraleagues. Let's hope that we are celebrating a victory over the Roosters in that because uh, I, I really don't – I wouldn't like to be uh, talking about a, a performance that was equivalent to today. So, um, uh, yeah, big week ahead for us in terms of our content. Stick with us. Mate, anything you'd like to add to wrap things up? Oh, I mean, obviously, as Parramatta fans, we've been through far worse when it comes to the the ugliest that football can bring out as a, a bad team. But God, I know how frustrated so many fans will be after a loss like that because this team, we know this team, its ceiling is literally sky high. So I, I'm still, and I know you, you, you always attack things from a glass half full outlook and I'm trying to do the same and I, and I still believe in the team very much so. But I think that the next couple of weeks are going to be very telling. So, yeah, I mean, it's time to roll up the sleeves and uh, be, uh, I don't know if we're going to get the changes that I was asking for, but maybe time to prune aggressively when it comes to the team list, because if you can't follow the structures that we know work, then maybe you shouldn't be in first grade. Yeah. And I think that's probably an appropriate spot to, to leave it yeah, today. And as always, I know it's more of a morose episode than we'd like to have, but if you have pushed through the 42 and a half odd minutes of me in 60s, Getting into that ugly dissection, we appreciate it, and we hope you. I'm not sure if "enjoy" is the right word, mate, but we hope you. Uh, I don't even know. What the, we hope you uh, digested it, I suppose, <laughs> with, a, with a bad stomach. Um, but things will be better from here on out, I, I dare say. And we'll catch you in the midweek podcast, and then the preview to follow that. Thanks for stopping by. Cheers.